Hi everyone, welcome along to the Phil Hoffman Travel Podcast. This is where we talk to the people, we talk about the places and the possibilities of travel and you're in for a real treat today. One of the real characters around Phil Hoffman Travel is my next guest. He is referred to affectionately by Phil Hoffman as the Croatian man, which is almost like a superhero. Never Maravich, <laughs> yes. lovely to see you there. Yeah, good morning, how are you? Very good, thank you. Thank you for doing this for us. Hey, you take so many trips and help out so many people with Phil Hoffman when it comes to Croatia and your hometown. Before we get into that, let's talk about you. Where did you grow up? Where were you born? I was born born in Zagreb, which is the capital of Croatia. And uh, when I was born, it was Yugoslavia and the state of Croatia. So it was a bit like Australia with different states. Uh, so I was born in a Croatian part of Yugoslavia. That was 1949. Grew up in Zagreb, which is the capital. Um, always very fond of my... Uh, 15 years in um, in Yugoslavia before I came out to Australia. I completed my primary school and a first year of high school and then we came out in 1965, came out to Australia, which was a big adventure. And um, I was all excited, first time on the plane, we're <laughs> flying out of Frankfurt. It's one of those flights you wouldn't believe uh, the length of time and how many stops we had. We started in Frankfurt, First landing, we stopped uh, in uh, Athens, then Cairo, then Karachi, yep. which was an amazing experience. Then down to Singapore, then Darwin, and then finally uh, Sydney, and it was with Lufthansa. So, but so once that trip was over, the actual reality hit me because I was 15 years of age when I left Zagreb. Lots of friends just starting into the sort of girls and all of that, <laughs> and then suddenly I'm in a totally different environment. Yep, Lang my language was not as good. I had sort of a maybe just a little bit more than just survival skills, but um, the confidence wasn't there because of the language, etc. So it was um, it was interesting. We stayed in Sydney for a while. I went to Maribra High for a while, which when I came back to visit many years later. It's not there anymore. It's been mm. turned into an estate. Um, but memories are good memories uh, of, of Sydney. And then we moved to Canberra in 1966. But um, just going back to um, us coming to Australia was uh, very interesting because uh, at that time, in the 60s, people were not allowed to leave Yugoslavia. It wasn't uh, um, allowed. People couldn't get their passports, etc. So sort of towards the end of 64, 65, they started to relax a bit and people were allowed to go to Germany to yep. work as uh, German word was Gastarbeiter, which means guest worker. So they would go there, work for six months, earn some money, come back, invest in a the house, then go back and work. So that was as far as they would go. But my mum... Uh, very strong influence in my development, um, decided that we're going to go to Australia. And everybody was saying, you know, it's the end of the world. Where are you <laughs> going? It's, uh, at that time, that was very, very far. But So the only way we could do that was to actually leave um, Zagreb with Yugoslav passport, mm -hmm. go as far as, of course, we were in f living in just outside Frankfurt. And there was the Australian embassy in, um, in um, Frankfurt. Um, where we did all the paperwork, but the only way we could then travel from Frankfurt in Germany to Australia was if we surrendered our Yugoslav passports to the German authorities 
and were given what they call Fremden Pass, which is a one-way pass. Wow. So once you arrive into Australia, that was it. That's it. You're like almost like a refugee in a sense of no documentation, etc. Um, I mean, I applied for uh, um, Australian citizenship within six months and I got that, so that was all, and so did my sister. And so that was not an issue. But it, I mean, I did not realize the um, impact of all of that. And, mm. and But it was my mum who believed that that was the right thing to do and she made the decision and I'm glad she did. So that was the... So birth to 12, you know, they always say home is where the heart is. That's where yes. your heart lies, do you think, because the adolescence growing up? Yes, and it's all it's a very strong link. Um, the, my school friends have grown up. We haven't sort of stayed in touch i have new friends now in zagreb croatia um but yeah they were very much formative years and uh, years i will never forget because i always felt safe in in that system we had uh, free education free health uh, lots of concessions in terms of uh, transport um so so it, I, they were very good years for me um and uh, Every time I go back, I can reconnect with that culture. It's almost like I've never been away, yep. especially now I go at least once a year. So I don't even have the issue with the language, with the Croatian language. Before, if I was away for, let's say, two or three years, it took me maybe a week to get back into the language. Yep. But now it's like I've never been before. And, uh, you know, I could be standing at the traffic lights in the middle of Zagreb and I could see something funny and I would loudly make a comment and there'll be people around me either respond with yep. something even funny etc so it, it's kind of getting back into that culture straight away in the language can you describe 1960s yugoslavia for us versus 2019 croatia you know like the, i mean there's so much change has happened in that region mm. over mm. those decades i yeah tito who was the head of the communist party um and uh, was responsible for making sure that after World War II, Yugoslavia did not fall under the Eastern Bloc, even though Stalin put tremendous pressure on him to do so. Um, he, um, ha we all had, and I was affected by that as well, was that from about 1949 till about 54, 55, um, Neither the East, the old Stalin, mm -hmm. put a lot of pressure on Tito to join. The West uh, still couldn't work out which way Tito was yep. going to go after the war, even even though during the war they were supporting him. And I'll mention it a bit later on. So there was a very difficult period of time where there was only even a shortage of food. Um, and uh, But once uh, the West realized that Tito was not going to go uh, East, um, be part of the Eastern Bloc, the aid started coming in and things started freeing up. So how was it? I, I mean, for me, as some somebody growing up, it was very, um, as I said, safe. Uh, I enjoyed it. Um, uh, for my mum, for my parents, uh, probably was different. Obviously, for my mum was different. She felt that we would have better opportunity if we came out mm -hmm. to Australia and then complete our education here, etc. And she was right, but for me it was um, it was safe. Um, in terms of everything else, the Yugoslavia was seen as something 
very different from the Eastern Bloc. I mean, we were able to buy jeans and wear jeans and listen to the latest rock and roll, Rolling Stones, yeah. Beatles, <laughs> and all of that stuff. So we were even allowed to go to a place like Trieste in Italy to buy jeans because mm. they were cheaper there, etc. So, so there was a lot, lot, lot more freedom in terms of movement and and some of the people were able to set up small businesses etc so that was all kind of tolerated and allowed um so it was very different from the eastern bloc mm. um how do i compare it to croatia now was the other part of the question i i'm i'm actually very saddened a lot um by the way uh in my view croatia missed an opportunity uh, at the end of the 91 95 war this is the yep. recent one yep. there was an opportunity to really uh, turn uh, croatia into something different um and um there was an interesting thing uh, last year i was uh, had a driver who took us to the airport and i always engage with them to ask them what they think how's it going and i saw you know <laughs> how are things and all of that actually he was one of the the driver was actually fighting in the last war. Mm -hmm. So he said, so I said to him, so he, I always get these complaints and the cri this is not right and that's not right. And, you know, and they were, they were correct in what, what they say and what he was saying. So I said to him, okay, so, um, so what did you fight for then? Well, there was a slight pause. Mm. And then he said, well, we never fought for the system we have now. We just wanted freedom. And which is very true because it, this is a very kind of raw capitalism in yep. now. Yep. And a lot of people that uh, are in power are there only to benefit themselves and make sure that they themselves and their children are okay mm. for years to come. And I always try to work out why is it that that is the case. But And if you look historically where Croatia now is, it's always been an area where the East and West clashed. So today you would have a Turkish empire ruling you for 500 years. Tomorrow it will be Austro-Hungarians. Then it will be somebody else. So there was this uncertainty. Mm. And so the only thing that you would think about is how to so survive from today until tomorrow. And I think that is still present today. There, there isn't the leadership and people who think in terms of, okay, where are we going to be 10, 15, 20 years yep. uh, away? And I'm really sad to see that now a lot of people, and this time it's the whole families are leaving Croatia and going to work in Europe yep. because Croatia is part of EU, so they can go to places like Ireland, they can go to Germany, Austria, etc. So uh, I'm saddened that they're losing young people. I'm saddened that... Uh, when I finished my sailing, and on the day we have to get off the boat, there's always excess of food or there's the bottles. I get all pe all the people coming to the boat and saying, "Have you got any empty bottles?" Yep. And of course, I share that with them and I, I make sure it's packed. Why? Because their pension, mm. which before under Yugoslavia they were very comfortable, now they don't have enough, so they yep. have to resort to some other things to earn the money after having worked all of their lives. So. Just to conclude that, I think an opportunity is missed. I'm still hoping the young people will eventually come into power and mm -hmm. not be corrupt in the process. 
and that maybe some changes will take it to a different road. War-torn area. When did the tourism explosion occur for Croatia? Because now, I mean, we talk about it here, it's like it's the new Greek islands. It's the destination people want to go to. Early days, Yugoslavia, was there a lot of tourists going there? With your love for travel, was it the plane ride out to Australia that did it for you? Yes, there was. It it became very popular, especially with the European uh, travellers. I mean, British Airways in the 80s had a direct flight from London to Dubrovnik and and, and to to Zagreb. So it was becoming very popular. There was sort of people coming in large groups. Then came the war. It all stopped and it took a while to rebuild. Of course, now it's all very, very popular um, and increasingly so with um, Australian market. Mm. And it's it's interesting when I'm at the Travel Expo or similar situations, I would have people my age come up to me and said, oh, look, I um, um, my daughter or my son want to go to Croatia. And uh, then they say, or, you know, um, I, uh, and before even they said anything else, I said to them, in the 80s, you traveled along the coast. Yeah. And they said, yes, <laughs> because that was the usual thing. Sure. In London, they would get a, a combi van or yep. minivan, and they traveled all the way down along the coast, then going inland to end up in Greece. So a lot of um, parents uh, would, uh, you know, the, the children now are doing it, but also young people are going to mm. Croatia and doing the yacht week or going on the on the small on the cruise ships I call them uh, party all night and sleep half a day etc so and then they come back and talk to their parents so they are going again so it's become very very popular and while it's good for the country I'm just hoping that they can still retain that spirit of um, and this came from one of the people that went uh, from Adelaide there and they said, you know, when I went to visit uh, Croatia, it, I didn't feel like a tourist. Yep. I felt like a guest. And I'm just hoping that that will remain as long as possible because it really leaves a good impression and people have a good time. In you see the photos of Croatia and I guess it's the futility of war too. Why would you have a war in such a, you know, like it's just a beautiful, I, know. I, know. I mean, it's picture postcard. I, I, okay, so in early 90s, the war just started. I, I was in, um, in Austria, in Vienna, uh, and I visited relatives uh, of distant relatives of mine and they were refugees from Bosnia. They came from Bosnia. And, you know, that early stage, you know, there'd be 12, 14 of them sharing an apartment just initially to... Mm. And there was this uh, older lady uh, who... She was in her mid-80s. So I said, to her, I said to her, I said, look, you know, how did all this happen? I mean, you, you were living next door to someone with different religion mm-hmm. and then there was somebody and you would share all the traditional things and all the religious events and you would help each other working in the fields and said so what 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 happened uh, she said well it wasn't us I said what do you mean it wasn't us he said oh they were the foreigners uh, okay meaning what what does that mean she said they would come in during the night and they would just do some bad things mm. in one part of the village then then will arm the others yep. and said yeah they will attack you and then they would just leave and of course it's it's like starting a match and then just mm. the, the wildfire because yes they survived by helping each other and supporting each other and so all you need someone is to stir up the trouble which they did 
for their own purposes, of course, and then they just leave and the mm. whole thing just gets inflamed. So, yeah, the question is why and how could that happen? Um, now it's all very different. Um, it's safe now? Like yeah, absolutely. Uh, both Slovenia, Slo Slovenia was first, and then Croatia, they're all part of EU, part of NATO, etc. Serbia is trying very hard to get in. Um, and of course Bosnia, but it's all very safe, different situation. They're very much concerned about economy and yeah, survival, sure. and so that's number one. Um, but uh, yeah, so it's um, it's a different situation. It's very safe, and uh, so there are no issues that way. So when you talk to people, people come and see you here at Phil Hoffman, and you help them out with their holidays, and you talk about Croatia. These are, I mean, y you're going around paradise, just seeing the most amazing beaches and crystal clear water and everything else. But that's all part of it, isn't it? The history of Croatia, because for every beautiful landmark, there's a castle or yes, a wall yes, or whatever yes. the case might be. I mean, it, it, it's fascinating. I'll just give you a one one true description, and um, and I uh, briefly um, mentioned it earlier. Uh, there's this wonderful island called Vis, V-I-S, and Mamma Mia 2 was filmed yes. on it and all of that. <laughs> it's wonderful. I keep on watching it and try to work out which bay is this. Um, now, uh, historically very important island. Uh, when I was living in uh, Yugoslavia, I couldn't go there because it was a naval base. Now, during World War II, Tito and some of his partisans were fighting against the um, uh, Germans. Uh, uh, escaped to that island because Germans tried to capture him. Tito was very effective in, in his resistance. Um, and so he actually, there's a Tito's cave on that island. He stayed there for, uh, for quite a while. But um, uh, the thing about this island is I heard that they play cricket there, which I, I thought, no, it can't be. I don't mm. believe this. Cricket is definitely not <laughs> part of uh, you know, Croatia or Yugoslavia, etc. Um, uh, you know, it's 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 football like soccer and water polo and handball and basketball, etc. Anyway, so how what's the history of it? Okay, so Tito was in that cave. Churchill sent a, a group of high-ranking officers, and he didn't do it just with Tito, but did it with other countries to establish who is fighting whom, who should we support, who should we send aid, etc. So it, there was this high-ranking four of them. They stayed at the island. Um, and, and established that, yes, Tito was fighting on the right side and they gave okay for aid to be uh, sent. And so the island had a temporary um, landing strip was uh, installed, made, placed there. And so it became a, a sort of point where the bombers would um, um, refuel, repairs, etc. And of course, the crew would change and stay there to rest. Um, and of course, they would play cricket. And in fact, a lot of uh, there is uh, uh, there's a lot of diving excursions where you can go with your with your diving gear and actually see some of these bombers who didn't quite make it. So, so it's a it's a fascinating uh, history of uh, uh, of the islands, etc. And I'm not sure whether I've actually answered your question and, and got as far as that. But uh, look, the the, the the, the programs that I put together, uh, I very much uh, develop along uh, what people are interested in. If they say, look, don't give me any museums, I've had enough of them, I've yep. been here and there. I'm interested in people, I'm interested in food, wine, you know, a bit of this, bit of that, bit of swimming. So it's, it's I, I take pride and joy in actually uh, putting it together so it reflects what people would like to do, which is very nice. But also I'm very uh, proud to uh, actually show Australian travellers uh, and, and create a situation where they can experience the local customs, the, 
like taken to an island, but there's this guy who has lots of vineyards and in the middle of them there's a stone house that he cooks for people and then he talks about his wines and brandies that he makes, et cetera, et cetera, which is absolutely fantastic, mm. which is actually quite uh, interesting and to a point dangerous because they don't put any chemicals in these wines, so you don't have a hangover the oh. next day, so you think, <laughs> I can drink some more the <laughs> following day. Right, so it's very good. So yes, I, I uh, really enjoyed putting these kind of programs that will show Croatia for what it is. Yes, yep. you got to go and see must-see places, mm -hmm. but there are lots of other places where maybe people haven't seen, haven't heard, but it's a really good experience. It's the beautiful thing that I've noticed with you, and, and you talk so passionately about your hometown and your home country, and, and you talk about the fact that people can, if they are interested in history, they can if they just want to lay in the sun and enjoy these amazing yeah. locations, they can do that. If it's food, if it's culture, if it's people, you do all of that. One of the signature uh, expeditions you do through Phil Hoffman Travel is the Anchor and Spoon. And this, to me, is this sums up, if you're gonna do Croatia, you gotta do it right. Mm. This is the way to do it. It would appear. How did this come about that yourself and Renato got together and explored yeah. this amazing part of the world? Uh, it's quite a, a, a yeah story to that. I my dad was a pharmacist by profession, and he was in charge of a state pharmacy on one of the islands uh, further north called Cres, C R E S, and so I would spend all my holidays there with him. Uh, and he first bought a small sort of four-meter wooden boat with an outboard motor, then graduating to something larger with an inboard motor. But he always had enough confidence in me to allow me to go out and do things. So I had a group of friends, about four or five of us, and we would do some amazing things <laughs> with this boat. Never damaged it. We yep. were all very good. So my love for the sea, for water, for swimming, for being on the boat, maneuvering and all of that grew from there. Uh, and I took a first group of people in 1987. It was still then was Yugoslavia. And we picked up two. Uh, first just, I just wanted another five people to share the cost of a yacht with me so we can you know, cruise uh, for about three weeks. And then ended up with two because lots of other people wanted to do it. So we went, picked up the boat almost close very close to Trieste, so most northern point, and uh, sailed, cruised all the way down to Dubrovnik, right down south over three weeks. So that was the first one. And since then, I've done quite a lot of um, um, skippering, mostly what they call monohull yachts, s doing similar things, yep. maybe just over a week, etc. Um, and then very recently, because I've known uh, Renato for a long, long time, we worked together in TAFE, um, uh, you know, we've been talking about Renato coming over and all of that um, and experiencing Croatia. So we said, well, you know, why don't you come? I'll, I'll skip uh, the boat. I'll show you the islands and, you know, we'll go to bays and coves, etc., etc." So he came with the family and he fell in love with it and really, really enjoyed it. He's done it at least once or twice more. And then he thought, well, why don't we uh, do a program where you drive, I cook, like, as a result of, you know, he cooks uh, mm -hmm. as a Italian cooking class, class at Phil Hoffman Travel at Glenelg. And I thought, well, why not? That, that's an excellent idea. So uh, we came up with the uh, anchor and spoon uh, idea uh, where we take people for about a week. Not about, but it's a Saturday to Saturday, so mm -hmm. it's a full week. And I was big bays and coves trying to avoid too many boats. And so we do breakfast and uh, lunch on, on board the boat. And then every afternoon we moored the boat in a harbor or a town or village or something and then we get off and in search of nice places to eat and 
yep. places to see and so explore. that that's a sort of background too so you're the anchor renato is the spoon this looks like the kind of lifestyle that rock stars have that movie <laughs> stars have but it doesn't have that price does it this is everyday people from adelaide everyday people from australia can enjoy this experience and as you say you're going into these amazing ports you're going into adventures at night time if you want to just eat swim sleep eat swim repeat yep. you can do that as well it's all of that and it's it's all very comfortable these are french built catamarans by Beneteau called Lagoon. Uh, we usually take a, a, a boat uh, that's between 40 and 45 feet long. They're all double cabins each with an ensuite. So lots of rooms in the cabin. Then the lounge is fairly large, outside area under cover. So you could have eight people not even know they're mm. there because they can just uh, spread themselves. But the beauty then of the catamaran, for example, is that it doesn't have a keel, which means you can go right into the bay, drop anchor, and you can be within two-meter uh, depth, yep. which is all fine, and you can swim and snorkel, etc. So, yes, it's all very comfortable and it's just you and your friends and uh, still experience everything that people would experience on uh, small luxury ships uh, even better because we can get into some bays that uh, those can't go in and uh, my aim every year is to find another sort of place that hasn't been discovered yet although it's getting very difficult to do that but it's uh, nice to be able to tuck into some bay and say well let's just mm. stop here let's have a meal glass of wine watch the stars etc and enjoy yep do you ever stand at the front of the catamaran and you got beautiful head of hair and the wind's going through yes. and you're thinking this is what life is all about we are cruising through croatia we have four six eight people in the back yes renato's cooking up a storm you can smell that <laughs> That is living, Nevin. That's what life is all about. That's what we're all aiming yeah, for. It is. I mean, it, it, it is fantastic. And now that you said, can you go up and stand in the front? I can because I can put it on autopilot. Yeah. <laughs> then go up the front and uh, just enjoy. the, the it, There's something about being on the boat and just mm -hmm. looking at the sea. It's so relaxing. Um, and I had recently a group of uh, travel agents from Phil Hoffman, Glenelg. And... I wanted to know, and this is the best way to know whether the product is good and all that. And then afterwards, when we finished, they all said we could do this again. Oh, that was just lovely. So it, it, it is, it is exactly like that. It's lovely. Uh, it's very enjoyable. And it's very relaxing. It's safe, of course, because Croatia has over 1,000 islands that follow the coastline. Yep. So if, let's say, there is a bit of wind on one side, you just tuck in the other and there are lots of little towns and I don't know how many. They, they would have about between 70 and 80 marinas along the way. Wow. Um, so you can tuck into there if you want to. Um, um, and But there are lots of bays and coves where you can moor and stay and then do is things. Is there a bad time to grow in terms of weather? Like is it does the summer get really hot or yeah, yeah. can you travel all year round to Croatia? Okay, so July and August, fairly busy. Mm -hmm. Lots of uh, European tourists come down. That's their holiday times and can get very hu uh, humid sure. and hot. Uh, look, April, May, June is very good. And then September and October. Mm -hmm. Especially October if you're down south. Um, I need to also say that Croatia has the continental part of which is full of national parks and beautiful places to visit lakes, rivers. Um, that is all very attractive. They've got Eastern Peninsula, which they call New Tuscany. 
uh, we could pay about twenty-three thousand dollars for uh, sorry, twenty-three thousand euros for a dog. Mm -hmm. And when people said, "Did you say dog?" I said, "Yes, I said dog." <laughs> so why? Because they sniff truffle. Ah, so Eastern Peninsula yeah. is also known for truffle and some yep. beautiful f other food and wine. And of course, it's, it's bordering, sharing a border with Slovenia. Slovenia is another absolutely mm. fantastic part of the world, uh, very much alpine country, lakes, rivers, mountains, lots of places to walk, cycle, canoeing, etc. So lots to see in the continental part as well as yep. islands, coastline. And that's why it's so attractive. Um, to many tourists because it's not only the coast and islands but other parts are also this is very unfair it's like picking a favorite child give us one absolute must do if people are going to experience croatia by the sounds of it as you're talking people experience it once then they'll come back again and do more and more is there one thing we need to see or do and on the flip side of that so many people we discover you know food is such an important part of travel as well give us one dish or one beverage that we might need to try to really encapsulate that Croatian experience you're just making it very difficult <laughs> for me I got a oh, one place to uh, this have you got a favorite place of Croatia oh look um, Zagreb of course which is the capital of Croatia because I was born there mm -hmm. uh, they've done a lot to the place to make it attractive in lots of different ways uh, Zagreb won uh, the best Christmas market for three years in a row. Um, so it's, it's an amazing place to start. Um, I would certainly... Um, I love Island Vis and Island Korčula. Korčula mm -hmm. is the place where I also spend a lot of, lot of time. Korčula is an island between Split and Dubrovnik. Ferry across to the mainland takes only 15 minutes, so it's very accessible, very easy. Absolutely fantastic little villages and uh, renowned for some of red wine. Mm -hmm. So that'll be so. The couple of islands yep. would be certainly a um, uh, place to go. Uh, Eastern Peninsula is just amazing to visit. So many hilltop towns, a bit like Tuscany, vineyards, and olive groves. So. Yes, and I love Slovenia. I yeah. mean, I, you asked me for one, but I just kind of... <laughs> like a good parent, though, you didn't <laughs> narrow it down to one. You gave us about five or six, which is perfect. <laughs> this is why, and we can't stress this enough, this is why people, when they are thinking of coming to Croatia, they need to get you in on the conversation Absolutely. when they're speaking to the people here yep, yep. at Phil Hoffman. And that's, that's worked, and I'll, I'm yet to answer the question about the food, which yep. I will, but this is something that I um, uh, find that it's, it's very, very useful, is for me to actually come in when... Uh, people are talking to a travel consultant about, let's say, I want to go to Croatia, what should I do? And I always encourage travel agents to give me a call. I come down, I listen to what people want, how much time, what they want to do, what they don't want to do. And then I can tailor, mm -hmm. and, and let's say, version one, etc., until we come up with what they want. In terms of food, yep. again, uh, like I said before, it's been on the influence of different countries. So yep. we've got everything from influence of the Turkish cuisine mm -hmm. to along the coast, very much Italian. And then, of course, Hungarian and uh, Austrian or German foods. So which are the ones that, are out s that stand out? Um, <laughs> here we go. Um, uh, okay, I'll... I'll uh, Stuffed capsicums yep. are absolutely fantastic. So that's your normal sized capsicum, mm -hmm. which then you do a mix of rice and mincemeat and other 
uh, herbs and spices, and that's cooked in a, like a, um, a bolognese sauce or similar, which is absolutely fantastic with some boiled potatoes, just beautiful. <laughs> and sarma, which is a pickled cabbage leaves. Mm-hmm. Again, uh, you you fill them up with uh, uh, mincemeat or other ingredients, roll them up, and again cook them. So it's it's all very um, very tasty food along the coast. Lots of fish, fish on the grill. Uh, brodetto, which is bit like a, not bit, it's like stew, mm-hmm. fish stew with with. Uh, um, um, usually they have, um, and I can't think of it now, but uh, sometimes with potatoes, but uh, it's always fresh bread and a g- glass of wine, etc. So, um, it it's it's a variety of foods along the coast and continental part. Different influences. People are now drooling into their computers or their phones or their car radios, wherever they might be listening to this podcast. Nevin Marovic, uh, ask for Nevin when you are planning your Croatian trips. Ask about the Anchor and Spoon. It is a unique Croatian island cruising and food experience. And in that, I guess, Nevin, in closing, is the beauty of Croatia and the beauty of Slovenia. If you are a foodie, there is something for you. If you are the person who is all about the Instagram and you want the picture-perfect photos of the most beautiful beaches in the world, Croatia can do that for you. If you're a history buff, you, you like to find out about war or whatever the case might be, there's literally something for everyone. Yeah, very much so. There's such a variety of... Like I had some years ago, I had one uh, person come and join us on a, on a sailing uh, trip on a yacht and she said, well, I don't need to go to... Greece. I don't need to go to Turkey or Italy. I've I've experienced it all here. I mean, that's yep. a little bit, uh, let's say, overboard. But uh, what she is saying is that she experienced so many different influences in that part of the world. So it's yes, it it is very attractive, um, and um, particularly this product, the Anchor and Spoon, very popular with uh, families and small groups of people. They're celebrating their anniversary or, or, or birthday, it's absolutely a fantastic way to see and experience. I'm going to leave that for a little bit, the anchor and spoon, because I'm worried if I go, I may never come back and that is the end of the podcast. We are done. I will not be returning. You will not get me out of Croatia. If you want to find out more about Nevin, find out more about Croatia and about the anchor and spoon, you can do so at Phil Hoffman Travel. Ten locations right around town, as you know, pht.com.au. Keep checking the social media channels and keep listening to the podcast. Nevin Maravich, thank you so much. Thank you. Pleasure.